Hi, JLAG listeners. We are Nicola, Sue, and Andrew, three young politics students and international friends passionate about water affairs and eager to share our views on what's going on around the globe at the moment. Please follow us at Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also support us via Patreon. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the new episode of Jetlagged. Today we are going to talk about China's surcharge policy with our friend Sichen. Sichen is a recent graduate from University College London. She studied in the program of public policy. Sichen, welcome. Could you please start by introducing yourself? Uh, hello everyone, I'm Sichen. And I'm majoring in public policy in UCL, and my dissertation is about one-child policy, and I'm honored to be uh, invited to this podcast. Thank you. Hello. Thank you welcome. Too. Welcome. So excited. Thank you. So, so Zichen, you're, you're, in, you're in Beijing right now, right? In Beijing. And, and what are you doing there? I'm being a product manager. Wow. <laughs> what, what exactly, like, what is your kind of... What are you working on at the moment, or and, and and tell us a bit about that if you can. Uh, I'm working on the radio app actually for Novos, and it's launching in Mexico and uh, Spain already. Wow! Wow! So very international work as well, Joel. Yeah, kind of, but it's also like you said, it's classic. Like you're doing some work that is no business with a major. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, could you please tell us more about your dissertation? So what's your dissertation about and what's your conclusion? Um, my dissertation is about uh, the legacy of China's one-child policy, parenthood cost, and the reproductive desire among Chinese youngsters. And the youngster that I, uh, that I researched on is people between, born between 1980 to 2000. And those people are born under one-child policy. So a lot of them are the only child. Mm-hmm. And actually what I find is, uh, actually three points. One is controversial gender norms in full, uh, under one-child policy. The second is the only child's rejection of competitive environment. Maybe if you can talk about this, this might influence people's rep- reproductive desire now. And also it's the burden, uh, it's the elderly care burden for, for the only one child because that only child, they have to uh, pay for their parents' elder life. Yeah, um, actually, this is quite an interesting, interesting topic because uh, I guess it's it's very relevant now that you know you have all these different um, you know social questions going through China. As I understand, we had a we had um, we had a, a, an episode on um, the Chinese Me Too movement uh, some time ago. We uh, kind of uh, went through all these questions that especially women are facing right now uh, in, in China. I feel when it comes to the third child policy, I mean, from a Western you know, perspective, um, it is quite, uh, I mean, I'm speaking from a Western perspective, I'm thinking, how does the West look at this issue, you know, of uh, um, uh, uh, demographic control uh, in China? And of course, China is the most famous example of uh, this uh, child control measures uh, most famously 
in the uh, in the in the example of the one child policy um and you know the the first reaction of course from a western point of view when when one sees the third uh the three child policies like right the question at this point is why you know why three child policy and not just you know we lift all restrictions uh because of course this uh three child policy comes in the context of uh falling demographic rate right uh for me um, one thing pops in my mind is actually when the two child policy is firstly launched there are still voices like it's too late it's too late like uh maybe they do not expect the birth rate to fall this quickly or the economy to develop this fast but like most mostly the agreement for the policy is it it comes too late and also one thing that i when i think about like as someone who majored in public policy before i feel like the government wanted to be incremental they don't want it to be too drastic cuz as you know like like years ago when one child policy is firstly launched it is very it actually no matter shocks the west or also shocks china at that time it is a very drastic policy now now you can now say like we make a drastic drastic back and forth very how they want it i feel like the government do not want it to be too drastic and too drama on this thing also they need to consider how public opinion view the government's view their capability of making decisions like that's from my side though um, because you when you were saying the third child policy you you're mainly thinking about this uh policy for um uh, for example abandoned women because abandoned women have um the issue they they have to consider the issue how they are discriminated be, uh, in the workplace because of the new policy but do we know um do we know for example who is the main target of this policy is it abandoned women or rural families and uh, what does this mean for abandoned families and rural families what i think i'm thinking about is for urban families I think most people like when they mock this family online or they 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 mocking it like things are so ironic la la like the the reason that they do not decide to have more children is not due to policy restrictions for urban families like I also said before it's too expensive to afford two and more kids so that's the reason and people who can who have the capability of blogging online or using social media is most likely um urban families who already have internet connection for rural areas I think things might be different it is also from my guess cuz i understand we live in bubble uh also like when we think about how it targeted it is the third child is targeted on the family who already have two children or or they decide that and they want to have more children and it happens more in rural families to decide to have more children Yeah, I feel when it comes to targeting uh, this this policy, this three child policy, uh seems to be kind of um rather than saying, you know, rather than saying, you know, you can have three children, you're allowed to have three children because of the context on the context in which it comes and and the reason why it is probably being pushed forward because of this slowdown of demographic growth. I feel um, you know, it may be rather than be an allowance to say you know you can have more children it's more like you have to have more children or you you must have more children 
you know so rather it is i feel like the thinking about the, the bigger picture is more like do they want to lift a restriction or do they want to push for something to happen right and so the the question here is does the three child policy really have the potential to you know to expand the birth rate to to make the birth rate grow again do you and and, and looking at closely more more clo- looking at it more closely will this three child policy encourage more in the end what is meant is women and families to have more children because um when we were discussing this episode i remember you were saying something very interesting that is uh, this policy of three child of three children may actually be counterproductive in the sense that it may push less uh, less families into having children especially less women into having children i think i am very pessimistic for the birth rate rise up actually like from the history of the two child policy because like i want to do some literature review actually after the two child policy was first launched there's a um quick rise up in the birth rate at that time but it quickly also quickly slows down and back to our range you know maybe there's it just let out those who have wanted the second child for a long time maybe the three child policy can also let out uh maybe families who really want the third child because of many multiple reasons maybe some bias maybe something else but after those letting out is already out I'm very pessimistic about the final result because the number, the restriction on the number is not the, as I said, it's not the key reason already. The key reason is to how could they afford this child uh, education? Does having a child uh, influence the parent's life too much as economy develops because they have higher requirements for families' uh, way of raising a child? I think those are the key reasons to be resolved. Also, as I marked before, I see some interesting supportive policies together. Those are not very uh, hard policy. We can see as the soft ones. And those soft ones, as I understand, like firstly, they actually discourage online education industry because also online education industry in China is famous for triggers anxiety for parents because yeah you need to raise up child and he's gonna go to Harvard MIT you pay us enough money and you're gonna la 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 also the second one is that they also dis- they start to discourage um after school classes and encourage schools to leave students um proper amount of homework. I think those ones that actually to relieve the parents' anxiety. Because the anxiety or the competitive of the Chinese children now, maybe you can uh, you can trace something back to one-child policy. Because one-child policy has very important influences, no matter you are a girl or you are a boy. So no matter you are a girl or a boy, the family centering all their material help and all their uh, all their spiritual support to this one child. Also, education resources. They have very high expectation on this one child, and this triggers competitiveness. As I interviewed several one-child before, especially male interviewees, they experience more discomfort. They feel they got pushed too much in their as only child. Maybe this is one legacy from the one-child policy, the competitiveness. I think as you're saying, like, uh, if the family only have one child, 
um, the family, like the parents are giving uh, all the resources, most probably to this one child. Um, so some scholars and, you know, news reports also analyzed uh, in this um, past few years that uh, it is the one child policy that leads to a set effect that Chinese women got higher socioeconomic status because uh, they got all the resources from the family. So they got better yes. education compared to the last generation Chinese women. But uh, now we have the third child policy in force, which means, for example, for, for families who uh, think that sons are better than daughters, if their first child is a, son, is a daughter, they are going to have more children because they just want a son. And what happens next? For example, for rural families, they are not living in very good conditions, and they have three-child policy uh, guaranteed by the policy now, and they are giving the best resources to the son in the family. Will this lead to a like counter-effect to women's status? What do you think yes. of that? Actually, this is also what I'm worrying about. Will there be a step back as the policy loses up? Actually, not only the policy, also as also the whole society develops, but not also in the way of being more genderly equal. Like after reform and opening up, actually, uh, China's gender equality index actually do not raise up; it goes down. Because like more more children, uh, like uh, more more women choose to go back home to have children as the economy develops. So this is not this is not traditional defined as genderly equal though. Also, when Sue talks about the side effect of gender equality from one child policy, I'm very actually I feel the same way because actually I'm a I'm the only doctor raising up in my family. I feel like I need to I be, I'm being raising up in a quite equally way. No matter education results or my parents' uh, parental support, I feel it's quite enough for me to raise up in a positive way. Also, like when I'm doing literature review, they're saying, so this generation of girls born under this two, 20, around 20 years under one child policy era, they have unprecedented power. I think maybe it's really being like this, like the drastic policy bring about the side effect. But one thing I'm finding is is quite ironic. Why being why this gender uh genderly equal can only be a side effect of a major policy. Just like what I'm talking now. Why the supportive policy now? It is just saying um to release the anxiety or discourage workers to work on weekends. So I do not see any major policy which really care about women's rights in making these decisions, especially um, for this uh, uh, demograph demographics policy. It is closely connected with women's rights. Why we can only see being generally more eco or less eco being a sad effect of this. I feel it's awareness. It is a gender genderless problem. It is awareness of women's rights problem. Yeah, I, I think is is um, what you're saying is, is perfectly right because um, if you think about it, you know, in the end, when it comes to you know bearing children, um, <laughs> it's it's women who are at the center of the stage, right? And I feel in all these demographic policies uh, or like policies that have to do with demography, um, the question is 
how will women be affected by this? And by as as a connection to this, or by you know the consequence of this, is that we should yeah. first of all understand what do women want? You know, what do women want when it comes to having children? Or do women in which context do women want children? And under what under what conditions? And do they want children and, and so on and so forth. But if you think about it, you know, that's it, it a usual problem everywhere. The leadership is usually male, yes. usually <laughs> middle-aged, uh, white, uh, uh, you know, white in the sense of, you know, establishment males, uh, yep. who, you know, sees demographic growth as a political necessity. I mean, in my opinion, it has much to do with um, political reasons why you may want to have, why you may want to um, have demographic growth. But at the same time, those who have to kind of uh, face the consequences of that are women. So the question is here, what are, what do you think, I mean, especially being women and being Chinese, what do you think are the demands that women, you know, um, may, you know, put forward in saying, right, you want us to have children, that's what we want. Because I think it, it puts them, it gives women a, a strong bargaining chip, in a sense. Yeah, I got you. And I agree with what you said. Like, also one thing I reached out to literature in my interview is, compare what's before, those one-child doctors actually they have, bigger ego and they prioritize their feelings more than before and for like for me personally as i demand first i have i got to say like actually i do not really want any kid but if i really want a kid i feel i feel like i understand like my willingness is also socially constructed what hinders me firstly is if i gonna have a child i gonna have very strong motherhood tax in my career what hinders my career is from two sides. One side is from the traditional perspective. I feel the family or society may expect me as a mom to pour more time with the child and family to sacrifice more compared with my partner or my male partner. Secondly, together in my career, I feel my boss, just as society's consensus or something, they feel like I'm going to sacrifice and going to pour more time in my family. So I have lower potential than my uh, male partners. So I'm going to have very dis more disadvantages if I have a child. And most likely, I'm going to see, I'm going to pour, it is me that's going to pour more time in the family and going to have disadvantages position in my career. So one thing that I have to say, no matter, secondly, it is the material, the material perspective. If I'm going to raise up a child, and I want my child to have a, uh, how to say, a standard way of life being. Like, I do not want him to survive, not only to survive, I want him to be happy and to have a relatively good uh, environment to grow up. This is going to push me so hard to make money. So I don't want to work that hard. And I'm not interested in marrying rich men. That's one thing. Mm-mm. And in this sense, it is interesting because the third child policy uh, may have a counter effect because 
you know, the, the, the opposite effect of what it's supposed to do. Because uh, if you say women can have potentially more children, then you have a kind of a, a back backlash from both the traditional sense and, 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 and you know, a traditional sense in the sense of coming from culture and also kind of coming from the economic forces. Because as you were saying also the other day, on a traditional sense, you may have, you know, families saying, you know, um, you can have another child. Why don't you have another child? You know, and in a sense, the two, the two, two child policy or the one child policy paradoxically protected women in a sense, because it said, you know, you don't, you cannot have another child. So at least a certain class of women we're talking here about, but, but of course, it protected them from, you know, these pressures to, you know, be childbearing slaves, to put it very bluntly. Yeah, you know? that is exactly what literature said. Like, yeah, yeah, even, yeah. Before, even before, like, whether you're going to have a child or not, is not decided by this woman herself, especially in rares. It is decided by her husband and her husband's family, and whether they already have a son who is supposed to be called as offspring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and on the job, as you were saying, it, it has the, the effect of, you know, a boss has to has to decide whether to hire a woman or a man. And, of course, if the woman has already two children and um, and there is a three-child policy, uh, the, the, the boss will be saying, right, this woman may have children in the future. And so yeah. it's discouraged to, to uh, I mean, of course, assuming that there is still this very harsh, you know, cultural bias in selecting. Uh, and I feel that this is where the real difference is made, as you were saying before, you know, why should policy, why should always this be considered as a side effect? This is a very interesting thought because the, you know, we, we, the idea is to go and solve the root of the problem, which is at a cultural level, you know, you know, and um, yeah. And Sue, maybe you have some ideas here of especially interesting. How does it connect to other wider, you know, feminist or, you know, even the Me Too movement we discussed the other day? Do you see any connections here? I think uh, the, because the family planning policy is directly linked to women's productive rights. So by the time uh, our parents' generation had this one-child policy, um, the international society said it constrains women's reproductive rights because some women, um, even some of uh, the, the, the men in the family have to do something, have to be forced to do something to constrain their ability to have children. Like, um, it's just, uh, it's, sometimes it's been seen as counter human rights, but now, we have surcharge policy, which means this, of course, you can only have one children, two children, three children, and no children if you want. But why some, uh, why most of the people we see online still unhappy about it? I think that's a problem we really need to look at why women in China um, are not happy about it. I think there's something to do with the digital feminism in China because, you, you know, the Me Too movement since 2016 have been very popular in China and it's a hot topic online Weibo and WeChat and uh, every day a lot of people are discussing it and Chinese women have this uh, very clearly 
share their awareness of um, want to pursue um, gender equality and uh, want more freedom in their life. And uh, they want to, they are very ambitious. And uh, indeed, like women in China on average are well-educated in uh, compared with their male counterparts. So we want more chance, more opportunities. We don't want the child to be our burden. Do you think that the whole kind of digital feminism and me too kind of prepare the ground for this um, opposition to this uh, policy? I think so, because marriage and the law around marriage, it's been, it's been discriminated on women and women are going to be at a disadvantage position after, after they got married. And um, mm-hmm. of course, it's going to be a target for radical feminists to, you know, criti- criticize this policy. Mm-hmm. And uh, with um, feminism in China, haven't got very strong yet. And women got married and the whole family is expecting her to have more children. And of course, they are, they are going to sacrifice their career achievement. And the whole pack is just unbearable for some people. Yeah. And this may be actually something that, stimu- that you know, you were, we were discussing in the episode on the Me Too movement that there is a, there is a big chunk of uh, you know, maybe people who participate to the Me Too movement and women who make their voice heard, but they do not actually, they're not politicized in the sense that they do not, uh, you know, think a big picture policy in the sense. And do you think that this may be, you know, for example, the demographic policy, this kind of third, uh, this, this reproduction policy, family planning policy. Um, and, and I heard there is a big talk now in China about pension, you know, the age of uh, when, when, when people should retire and, and so on. Do you think that this could uh, bring in a big chunk of uh, women in the sense that um, become politicized in a sense and think about uh, bigger policy issues and how policy could address the issues, the disadvantages that women are facing? Um, as for your question, I think um, other policy, like Sucha mentioned before, is, it, seems not, it seems not relevant to women's rights. I think we need more policy targeted specifically on women. For example, um, what happens after women are discriminated because of this policy? You have this search policy, it's all right, but we we need to have something you know equipped with this policy. Um, for example, when when you have a child uh, waiting for you know to be, if if the family have a child uh, having a child, I think both of the parents should get a maternal leave. Like two months is too short. It's like and you should get more. And also the man have the right to have a maternal leave too. The same amount of time. So having a child is not only the business of a woman. And the, therefore, this should not be the target of being discriminated in, in the workplace. Sichuan, you have anything to add? Yeah, I totally agree with supportive, like, especially fathers maternity leave. And also, like, when you, when you talk about marriage, why a lot of modern women, they do not want to step into marriage. That's one thing I'm also thinking about. So, like, um, marriage, why marriage is viewed as a limitation or restriction for women. 
So, so it is viewed as disadvantage for women's life or her life quality. I'm thinking about like, you know, like naughty countries also face the problem and the birth rate slow down once, but actually it go back to not, it is not because of government, not only because of state support, but also one thing totally different from East Asian countries is do not discourage. So like in China, most likely they, um, they encourage, they only encourage uh, offsprings within the marriage, but out of marriage, there could be tons of kids. So it, it seems like will modern car, uh, modern marriage system finally going to break up one day? That is one thing pops in my mind just now. Yeah, I think it's so fascinating now that you say this. This is very, this is very eye-opening because, in a sense, all these demographic policies and this child, you know, population planning policy, are wired uh, in a in a very traditional sense. Uh, that is, you know, um, you need to be, as you say, you need to be in a marriage, and you know, you need to have a lot of children, and is have a happy family. Even the way you know they advertise it, you know, uh, is very. Uh, traditional family you know happy family and, and stuff like that but but as you say you know there are it, it is possible to be very very innovative and original and and also very groundbreaking in thinking about you know and i think in, in thinking about what do we need why do we need it right and uh, you know how do we achieve it best so if you think about it, you know, what do we need? Children. How do we achieve it best? Uh, maybe marriage is not the best thing to ask uh, people to be in before they have children. So if you keep pushing on happy marriage, happy marriage, happy marriage, and then you do not push on, you know, other things that, you know, that, that may be, you know, have, they may be producing more children, but outside of marriage, as you say, uh, so it is. There is also definitely a, a whole baggage of tradition and uh, closed thinking that uh, has an impact. And, and I think this relates as well to the discussion on, you know, is demographic growth good? You know, do we do we yeah. really need do we really need demographic growth? You know, and who does and who does it benefit? Who does it benefit? You know, is, I think this is the quite obvious. Um... Because all the countries in the Western also want um, demographic yeah. growth because yeah, they need some some labor force and uh, yeah, yeah, if yeah, we don't have labor, it's gonna hurt the economy eventually. I know, but the problem is who is gonna be those laborers? You know, and who is gonna? I be mean, the children they are having now are going to be laborers in the future. Yeah, I know, but in the sense of you know. For example, if you foster uh, reproduction that uh, tries to achieve uh, to have you know, more women, for example, there will be more women in labor, for example. Will it be cheap labor? Will it be good paid labor, you know, well-paid labor? These kind of questions. Where Where is the retirement age? Do you have a very low retirement age? Do you foster more children in the context of a low retirement age? Or do you foster more children in a context of a high retirement age? You know, there are other ways to adjust. Are you redistributing wealth in a good way? Maybe we can have less people that have less impact on the environment, for example, and where women's rights are more protected, but maybe redistribute wealth in a more efficient way, in a better way, so that we can give more to less people, in a sense. You know? I don't think it's a simple question like this, because demographic decrease is a serious problem. If a country, in a foreseeable 50 years later, there's a 
very few, like, um, there's a lot of old people, but very few young people in the labor force. It's going to be a huge problem of course, for the of course it's country. A, of, course it's a, of course it's a big problem, but at the same time, there are a lot of solutions to it. For example, the problem is, is to have a quote on how many children you can have. Because having this amount of children you can have as a law, as a policy, it is patriarchal and it is constrain women's reproductive rights because you don't get to choose how many children you are having. Because the society has expectations on you and through this specific number caused some uh, like anxious of the employers because they, they know that women are expected to have to reach this amount. So their career is standard because of this specific amount. I think um, demographic considerations of the of the country, of the state to encourage families to have more children is not a problem because there is a foreseeable reason that the the country wants to survive. They need more people in the future because people are getting old and yeah, I mean, but China has one things. billion. China has one billion and a half people. It's, it's quite a lot of people, you know. I don't think you you see this is it's not that simple. You 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 want to predict the future. Like the Chinese have the lowest one of the lowest birth rates in Asian countries in these recent years, and there's a foreseeable trend that Chinese women don't want to get married, don't want to have children anymore. But it's getting worse, and if we don't do anything, in the future, China will be worse than Japan. So, And yeah, China but, is a developing country. They need labor. They are, they are not reaching this level that they can have few people and just, you know, make everyone have a better life. It's still... A, labor intense country like the industry is still labor oriented yeah i'm sure i just like i hear you two talking about this problem it's just from my side i think i'm in the middle kind of understand too but not in a way i feel the number is not enough youngsters i feel most likely it's a strong burden of the elderly care so it is a percentage of youngsters and elderly it's not only the number problem for me well because there's too many old people we need to um the, the country or the young people need to afford them. That's why they need young people's afford or bonus, you can say. But also like from Nicole said, I feel is one thing I feel obvious is it's not like more people means better. Cause when actually China benefits from it because population or demographic bonus, cause they have cheap, young, cheap labor, like 30 years ago. That's the reason why after its reform and uh, open up, like Chinese economy suddenly rush up. But also under this rush up, it is kind of bloody and it's, there's a lot of sweaty shop, like those young cheap laborers suffer a lot and they need that cheap, young and tame labor. And now I think good thing in modern, like as I work now, I feel like youngster, I feel it's better than before because you, if you disagree with your boss, you can speak it out. You can disagree with them. And if you disagree with some rules, like work on weekends, you also speak it out. Maybe you get, maybe you won't get any response. Maybe you'll get response. But I feel the things are getting better. It is because they need, they, they start to know that labor is not cheap and they need labor. They need young labor and young labor is not enough. So actually from this side, I mean, the middle of you two, I understand you two though. <laughs> The middle is always the best, so. 
<laughs> It's the easiest to be in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Usually also, usually also the best. 